0: Come sing, pray, write new music, share testimonies and resources, and grow together with like-minded worship leaders from across the world. Go to LLIW.net to register. I survived the children's story. <laughs> Have you ever prayed a bold prayer? I'm inspired by the prophet Elijah. I, last uh, Sunday, that's just, The beginning of this week, I was on Mount Carmel where Elijah confronted the prophets of Baal. And he prayed after that confrontation. It says he bowed himself to the ground and put his head between his knees. I don't know what he prayed, but it wasn't, Dear God, help me to have a nice day. Amen. (laughs) Go and check, he said to his servant, seven times, earnestly prayed until a cloud the size of a man's hand appeared. And and he told the servant, get the chariot ready and move. You see, when we pray with our eyes open and when with the tremendous blessing of living past the time of the incarnation, when we pray in Jesus' name, standing under his Authority, some of you were with us last night, surrendered to His will. Miracles will happen. We're not telling Him what to do, but we are opening our hearts to Him as to a friend. And when we connect with heaven, miracles happen. But as I come to this part in our prayer conference, I want to turn away from just those things God wants to do for us and focus on what he wants to do through us because you are not just here today to worship and then go and make a living. God wants to use you to change the world. And so he gave a a radical prayer in Luke chapter 10. I've been studying this passage for almost 20 years and my wife says, why do you keep talking about it? And the answer is, we're still here. But Jesus has a prayer that he challenges his followers to pray. And I pray as I speak today that you would hear a life changing word. Luke chapter 10 and verse 2, he's sending out the 70. He's already sent out the 12 disciples just to Israel, to the lost sheep, but now He says, go to every town, every city where He is about to go, and here's His message to them. In Luke 10 and verse 2, He said to them, "'The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest.'" I want to break that down and look first at the first phrase. You can keep your Bible there, and we'll put it in bold on the screen. (laughs) Jesus says to his followers then and also to us, because he says, I'll be with you always, even until when? The end of the age. So it's not just for the 70, but also for us. He begins by saying, the harvest truly is what? What is the harvest he's talking about? Well, the metaphor of the harvest is used in two ways in the New Testament. If you look in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 39, there the harvest is speaking of the end of the age. And the harvesters are not the people, but who? Who are the harvesters at the end of the age? Jesus said, the angels, and the one who sits on the throne with a sickle in his hand. So sometimes the harvest speaks of the end of the age. But if you look in Luke chapter 10, the passage we're studying today in verse 1, you'll notice that this is not talking about the end of the age. It's talking about the present, and the harvesters are not angels. Look in Luke 10 and verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also, and sent them two by two before His face into every city and place where He Himself was about to go. This is present activity. It's the harvest time now. And who are the harvest workers? We are the harvest workers, the 70 and all of the followers of Jesus until he returns. And what is the harvest? What is the harvest? It's people, isn't it? Men and women, boys and girls, just waiting for an invitation to become part of his kingdom. And Jesus says, the harvest truly is what? I just had the privilege of coming back from Nairobi. Now, I'm not a full-time evangelist, but I do believe we can all do something for Jesus. And so I went over there saying, Lord, please use me in some way, and we went to New Life Church. You'll see the picture, perhaps, on the screen. The, the church was crowded. It was a simple structure, but thousands of people came together. But what was even more exciting to me is through Hope Channel, Kenya, it was broadcast, and we had our call center, receiving texts and phone calls from Mombasa on the Indian Ocean coast to Kisumu on Lake Victoria. The harvest was truly great as people were seeking. One of the people baptized in the first fruits baptism was a Maasai warrior. He was almost twice my size. Now, it's not too hard to be taller than me, but to be twice my size. And he had a bored hole in his ear that you could check the weather through. I mean... (laughs) You know, and he took his stand for Jesus. Someone say amen. Amen. God is reaching out. You see the smile of the pastor as he's baptizing these people. I mean, he's just like, joy in Jesus. Because the harvest truly is... While I was preaching there in Nairobi, a colleague of mine, Jeffrey Mbwana, was preaching in Swahili in Tanzania broadcast on Hope Channel, Tanzania, to 2,000 locations. Now, we have technology today that we only dreamt about in years past, but those 2,000 locations were hearing the Word of God in their mother tongue. And I just received word a couple of weeks ago that as a result of those meetings, 19,000 people were baptized. Now, you tell it's okay, it's easy in Africa. Listen... The work is going to be finished and Jesus is coming back. I want to be part of that number, don't you? But there's another couple. I want you to see the picture on the screen of Professor Philip Rono and his wife. This couple startled me with their passion for Christ. You see, we're not just here to make a living. We're here to make a difference for the kingdom. And this couple, in 2015 began a prayer group in preparation for general conference session. And it began to grow and grow until there were 400 people in their area. But what was even more startling is many pastors of other churches came because they saw the prayer revival happening, Anita. They came and then they asked could they learn about the scriptures because, because uh, apparently they saw the word of God was really believed. S- Twenty-two Pastors of other churches signed up for a Bible study group, and at the end of the series, 16 of those pastors were baptized. <laughs> well, this couple, and, and you see their smiling face, this couple. They decided that they would full-time devote themselves to helping pastors of other churches hear the last warning message to the world. They gave the primary school they owned and the secondary school they owned, they gave those to the church. They set up a Bible Research Center International. They have had 500 pastors go through that series, and to this point, 52 of them have been baptized. Now, Jesus promised that there would be a great harvest work. In fact, in the book of Acts, it says, many priests became obedient to the faith. So when we see that, we say, hallelujah. At least I do. I know I grew up in the UK, so I kind of go, hallelujah. You know, But <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a little bit more excited because I think the angels say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. The harvest truly is what? But there's a problem. Keep looking in your Bible. We'll put in bold print on the screen. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. So you've got this massive harvest. It's a mega harvest. And, and there's not enough harvest hands, as we read in the One Scripture translation. Not enough harvest workers. So I have a question. What's the problem? Did the Lord of the harvest make a mistake? He kind of computed how many harvest workers. Did, should we blame God? What do you think? So why are there not enough harvest workers if the harvest is great? Well, how many are called to be harvest workers? You sound pretty weak. Oh. How many are called to be harvest workers? Oh. Every follower of Jesus. Now, I know we're not all called to be pastors and evangelists. Some of us, healthcare professionals, Teachers, homemakers, we all have a circle of influence. We have a mission field, don't we? And Jesus says the harvest truly is great. But unfortunately, many harvest workers become distracted. Look at a story Jesus told in Matthew 21. And I'm not here to rebuke anyone except to hear the word of God for myself. Because sometimes we're distracted, even by good things. What do you think? Matthew 21, verse 28, Jesus said, A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He could have said, Son, the harvest truly is, and we need some harvest workers. And what does the son say? I will not. But afterward he regretted it and went. Why, he thought about it after he walked away, selfishly preoccupied with his own agenda. He said, wait a minute. That wasn't a very unreasonable request from my father. After all, the harvest truly is, and the laborers are. And so he went and he worked in the harvest field. Verse 30 of Matthew 21. Then he, the father, came to his second son, the younger one, said, likewise, son, go work today in my vineyard, The harvest is great. And he answered, and what did the younger son say? I'm on it. Yes, sir. I go, but he didn't go. So what's that all about? Well, I've thought of at least two options. You can help me if I uh, missed the third option. But one option is he's just lying straight to his father's face, has absolutely no intention of going. He just says, okay, I'll go. Is that possible? It's possible, yes, but unlikely. Why? Because his older brother has just embarrassed himself by saying, well, I'm not going to go, and then going, you know what? I really should go, and he went. So it's possible the younger son is lying, but I doubt it. I would suggest to you that he actually intends to go. I'll go, but he becomes... What was that word? You know, I really planned to do that, but I became... Jesus tells a story in Luke 14. This isn't even about working in the harvest field. It's about a banquet. They're not even asked to do anything except come and celebrate at the feast of the Master. Verse 16 begins the story, but then down in verse 18 of Luke chapter 14, when they're invited, they all begin to make excuses. And notice what the first one says in Matthew 14 and verse 18. The first said to him, I bought a piece of ground, but I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. Have you ever bought a piece of ground without looking at it? Not too smart. But he has become, what's the word? By the material acquisition. Oh, it could be something else, it could be a new car, it could be, uh, Yeah. Set of golf clubs, I'm not, I'm not talking about any evil things like an assault rifle. I'm, nothing bad, but he has become what? Distracted. Here's the second excuse, verse 19. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. I thought that was the same, you know, an acquisition. But I realized five yoke of oxen is work. He's going to test them. He's going to work. Is it possible even today that work could distract us? Oh, yeah, I'd like to go on that mission trip. I'd like to be involved in that upcoming vacation Bible school. But, you know, I have a lot of... And by the way, while we're at work earning more money so we can buy things we don't need to impress people we don't like, our, our children are at home. Maybe our spouse is at home wanting to see the love of Jesus, wanting to get ready for heaven, but we can so easily become... Verse 20, "'Still another said, "'I have married a wife.'" What has that got to do with (laughs) it? "'I have married a wife, therefore I cannot come.'" This person has allowed a relationship to distract him. Now, you don't have to be married to have a relationship distract you. In fact, it's a great blessing if you have a spouse who keeps pointing you to Jesus. Amen? If you've got children who say, Mom, let's pray together. Hallelujah. But sometimes relationships... I don't know, this church looks so loving and kind, but sometimes in some churches, even relationships in the church can distract people. (laughs) Sorry, brother. Please, let's get over being so grumpy. And let's show the love of Jesus to people. Because the harvest is... Yeah, and so many people are distracted. And so Jesus says, I want to challenge you, church, to pray a bold prayer. Go back to Luke chapter 10 and verse 2. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. I want want to highlight this next phrase. Therefore, pray, the Lord of the harvest. Now, I've been so blessed to be at this prayer conference, and thank you for inviting me to be here. My, My wife and I have been greatly blessed in these days. But I wanted to challenge you to pray earnestly. The verb pray in this text. It's not like to make a request or to express a wish or desire. It's a verb, deomai. It means to beg or to cry out. Now, hold on. I know what you might be thinking, but just stay with me. To cry out, to beg, like Luke 5 and verse 12, where it says, a leper came and he begged Jesus. That's the verb here. Begged him if you're willing, you can make me whole. Or in Luke 8, verse 38, a man set free from a legion of demons who, who begged Jesus the same word. He, he, see, he would pray. No, no, he begged him. He cried out that he could go with him. Jesus said, I'm with you always, but go back to your people and tell them what the Lord has done for you. Why? Because the harvest is what? The harvest is great. You go back. Or in Luke 9 38, where a father comes, his son is under the control of an evil spirit who throws him into the fire. And the father begs Jesus, if you can, help my son. Now, I, I've never had a son under satanic attack by a demon. But my children, my family's been under attack. And I tell you, you do not pray silly prayers when your family is under attack. You cry out to God. And we're not trying to, like, cry louder so I can change God's heart. I'm not trying to change God's heart. Whose heart needs to change? My heart needs to change. God, I'm not just here to make a living and try to stay out of trouble till Jesus comes. You want to use me to impact the world. You want to use me as a harvest worker because the harvest truly is... One last use of that strong verb omai to beg, to cry out. Luke 22, 31 and 32. I love this text where Jesus says, Simon, Satan has sought to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. It's the verb, omai. It's not just, well, help him to be okay. Crying out. That's how God wants us to pray because the harvest is great. It's so easy, not just for others, but for us to become distracted. So we cry out, Lord. I beg you to do what? Well, look back in the text and here our translators fail us because it says, therefore pray, cry out to beg the Lord of the harvest, earnestly plead to the Lord of the harvest. My Bible says to send out laborers into His harvest and that's not what the text says. The verb to send out is apostello. We get the English word apostle. From that verb, it means to send out. It's used in verse 1 of this chapter and in verse 3, but not here in verse 2, where, because the harvest is great and the laborers are few. It says, cry out to God to literally throw out laborers. Throw out. The verb ekballo. Ballo means to throw. The prefix ek means out. To throw throw out laborers into his harvest. You say, well, that sounds kind of dangerous. Can't I just pray, dear Jesus, help me to have a nice day? (laughs) Not if you want to let God use you to change the world. Not if you really believe that he's coming soon and the harvest is great. It is time to start crying out to God. Lord, I give you permission. And by the way, I can't just pray that for the gentleman I just met her on the front row. I can't pray that for my sister here without saying, and you have my permission to begin with me. I first prayed this prayer when I was on the faculty at Southern Adventist University. You know they call that place Happy Valley? I mean, who wouldn't want to live in Happy Valley? When people join the faculty there at Southern Adventist University, they stay there until they retire. They even have a cemetery there, so you can wait there until Jesus comes. (laughs) It's Happy Valley. I prayed this prayer, and I get a phone call to come to Southeastern California to a little place called Cala I'm like, where is that? Google that. I don't even know where that is. I expected my 15, 16-year-old son to say, well, have a nice time. I'm staying here. But my son said to me, oh, praise God, sometimes I children here. He said, well, you have to go and talk to them. How do you know if God's leading unless you go and talk to them? Oh, Lord. Ended up in California, then in Florida, then at the General Conference Ministerial now President of Hope Channel. It would be so much safer to just try to engineer your career and keep it safe. But God wants to use us to impact the world. Cry out to Him. Not to change His heart, but to give Him permission to change your distracted heart. Let Him throw you out into His harvest. physician. Teacher, engineer, software specialist. Let him throw you out into his harvest work. I grew up in the UK. I don't have a British accent unless I talk about it. But, (laughs) hey, it came back. Did you notice that? (laughs) But I remember growing up in England that there was a very famous game in, in the United States of America. Well, one was this game called football. It's not like soccer that we play. It's kind of a... I don't know what it is, it's like a war zone, <laughs> but, uh, but there was another game that seemed a little less violent called basketball, and I was always very impressed, I uh, never was that good at basketball, that basket rim was so high, but there's these big people and they have like rockets in their shoes, and, uh, and I was fascinated, in fact I learned a lot about this prayer from basketball. Because one time, someone sent me a clip on YouTube. You know what YouTube is, right? If not, ask your grandchildren, they'll tell you. <laughs> YouTube, and he sent me a clip. It was three seconds from the end of the game, and, and, and the team here's got the ball, and they're in their court, and it's a long way, a long, long way to that hoop. And someone's got the ball, and the team's around, and, and they don't know what's gonna happen, and all of a sudden, this player takes the ball, and he heaves it over his head. Wah! Like that, and he goes, and, and, and these guys are praying it won't go in. And these guys over here are like, huh, 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 huh. I don't know what they call that shot. Is there a name for that? Someone said it's called a hope shot. You hope it goes in, you know. I don't know. And, and he watches, and it comes all the way over, and it goes huh, straight through the hoop. And, and that's, even though the buzzer sounded, you know, if it's on its way down. Is that right? Some basket? It's on its way down. So they're all waiting straight through the hoop. And this guy over here is like, yeah! And everybody runs around him. Because the game's over. They won the game. And sometimes, when you cry out to the Lord of the harvest, he's like, are you serious? Yes, Lord. Yes, I'm serious. (laughs) Okay. By the way, I'm so thankful that he threw my wife with me. Um, (laughs) You know, we're no longer two but one, right? So we all go... And he, sometimes he'll throw you halfway across the country or halfway around the world. But it's okay as long as you're where he wants you to be. Amen? Amen. Lord, I just forget my agenda. What is your agenda? Uh, but there's another shot in basketball besides this hope shot. It's called a slam dunk. You know what that is? I can't do that either without a stepladder. <laughs> but it's an amazing, it's an amazing shot. And the guy's coming down, you know, and sometimes it's pass to this guy, you know, and then this one, and you know, there must be at least, I don't know, how tall do you have to be to play in the National Basketball Association? Anyway, he's, and they go up, you know, and then they do something like, is that right? And then some kind of ah, primal yell, ah, and, and then they go, and, and what direction is the ball going when it goes into the hoop? Straight down. And sometimes when we pray this prayer, say, God, I don't, forget about my agenda. Please use me to impact the world for your glory. Because the harvest is... Yeah, and the laborers. I mean, I've been one of those that's been distracted. So God, whatever you need to do, wherever you want me. And sometimes He'll throw you across the world, across the state... But sometimes, he says, you ready? I say, okay, you ready? Okay. <laughs> Stay right where you are. Say, <laughs> right here in Loma Linda, where you're working, and get up tomorrow and go to work, not just because this is the place you work, but because the Lord of the harvest wants you here. Amen? Oh, that makes a difference, doesn't it? I'm here because the Lord of the harvest wants me here. God, open my eyes to see what you want me to do for you today, because I'm not just here to make a living. I'm here to make a difference for your kingdom. The harvest is great, the laborers are few, so we cry out. You say to me, Derek, what's going to happen to me? I have no idea. Please don't blame me, but take the risk. Like a wildlife management government worker from South Africa who responded to a call to pray the radical prayer, he came forward, he said, I don't know, what's my wife going to think? And he turned and she was standing right by his side. Amen? Amen? Today, he's a leading evangelist in South Africa. I'm not saying we'll all be preachers. I'm saying this. God wants to use us to change the world. And if you would have the courage to believe, he wants you to pray, Lord of the harvest, I, I earnestly beg you to throw out laborers into your harvest, whether it's a short-term mission trip or helping in vacation. I don't know what it is, but you have my permission to begin with me we pray together in the name of jesus and with our heads bowed and our eyes closed i want to give a simple invitation to you today if you would say with me lord forgive me for the times i've been distracted the harvest really is great i believe your word and i want to give you permission to use me in your harvest work wherever you want me to go to do I give myself, I lay my agenda at your feet. May your will be done. If that's your prayer for your life today, would you raise your hand? you don't yet, praise God. Many hands raised. My eyes are closed, but I hear you. Lord, see our desire, hear our commitment here. And may your will be done for the honor of your name. And we will praise you forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.